Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Chrisman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week I bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, professors of theater education, and teaching artists that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. So grab your coffee or glass of wine, plug in your headphones, or turn up your car stereo, and relax. Thanks for joining me for these heartwarming conversations and practical advice from other theater teachers on the front lines making a difference in their students' lives each and every day. I am very excited to welcome to the podcast for this episode, Amy Akion Myers. She teaches at Freehold Regional High School in Farmingdale, New Jersey, and she has a really, really cool setup at her school that I cannot wait to hear all about and ask her lots of questions about. But Amy, welcome to the show, and I just want to hear, introduce yourself and uh, just kind of give us your journey um, to how we got to where we are right now with your, your career. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, so yeah, how did I get to where I am? Right. So, uh, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. That was always the definite, that was the constant. And in high school, I wanted to be an English teacher. And so I went to college, I went to Villanova university, which is a school outside Philadelphia. And, uh, I went there for English education and theater was a hobby and it was a fun hobby. And then when I was at Villanova, I started, um, I, I took a minor at Villanova in theater. They didn't have a major. And then they, they have a grad school on campus for an MA in theater. And so I started working and performing with the grad school students when I was an undergrad. And then I was uh, I was going to go get a job and be an English teacher. And then I stuck around and got my master's there. Uh, and so then I came out of Villanova with a master's in theater. It was an MA program. And then I just started auditioning. You know, at that point, I kind of went on that route and I, you know, worked for a long time. I I worked for a couple of years uh, and became an actor and joined the union and and did mostly stage work. And then, um, as we all do at some point, get a little disillusioned with auditioning, (laughs) get a little disillusioned with um, uh, you know, just, just needing a break from it all. And I took a long-term sub-teaching position in a freehold regional high school district uh, for a maternity leave for three months. I thought it would be fun, refreshing, kind of used my degree a little bit. And um, before I left there, they said, we have this really cool theater program in the other high school and we need, we're expanding it. We need a teacher. You seem perfect. And I was like, I, you know, I'm going to go back to acting i'm not going to stay here oh but you know there's this and then i said oh i'll interview and the gentleman who interviewed me his name is dan green he actually founded the program in 1984 he didn't want to hire me because uh, he wanted to find his own person and i didn't want the job because i wanted to go back to acting <laughs> so our conversation was like hey so do you know anything about meisner and i said no I don't have a background in Meisner. Oh, well, our program's Meisner. I said, okay. <laughs> so, like, you know, I don't want this stuff. <laughs> but by the end of the conversation, you know, we just started kind of getting closer and closer to realizing that, that we actually wanted to work together, that we would be, a, a, that I would be a good fit for the other teacher who is in the department. His name's Stephen Kazakoff. His background is all Meisner. My background is musical theater. Uh, and it was, so it was a really nice, um, it might be a nice fit. And so I started there and that was 18 years ago and I have not yet wanted to leave. And I've said to myself, well, the minute you don't want to be there anymore, you can go somewhere else. And at one point, and I think a lot of your listeners might understand this at some point, um, I can, I, there's a student I had and he was a freshman and he was performing. And I thought, I need to see this kid grow up. And I realized I could never leave because I'll always want to see another kid grow up, right? <laughs> and uh, so that realization hit me a year or two in, and, and then I just have succumbed to the idea that uh, I, I have a great job, and I'm really lucky and wonderful to have literally fallen into it. So that's how I got to be where I am today. That's awesome. That is awesome. So tell me a little bit about when when did that theater bug bite you? As an actor or as a teacher? Uh, oh, just as an actor? Early, early on. 
oh, well, I mean, I, I would run around singing in my house all day. We come from a very sports-oriented family. Mm. So, um, you know, I played a lot of sports. I actually was, uh, I played Division One field hockey at Villanova. So I, I actually was doing theater and, and sports at the same time for a really long time. I used to sing, I used to sing really high notes on the field hockey field to psych people <laughs> out, you know, it was great. Um, but, uh, you know, to my parents had no idea how to get me involved. And then there was a summer program when I was in eighth grade that I got to, you know, pay some money to the park district. And I got to be in a production of Godspell and it was like coming home. That's I mean, awesome. right. And I, I, and I think people understand that they're like, Oh, this, these are my people. This is where I'm supposed to be. And Godspell's the show that'll do that to anybody. I think. Oh gosh. Yeah. It was a 60, 60 person Godspell. I have one oh, line wow. and it was the best thing ever. I got to say a line on stage. It was just wonderful. That's awesome. That's cool. That's very cool. Um, well, I, I want to, before I dig into, uh, about your program at Freehold, I, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more because I just spoke with someone yesterday who um, was very heavily involved in athletics uh, prior to yeah. getting into theater. Um, mm -hmm. And I'd, I'd love to hear how your involvement with athletics, um, wh what role, if any, does it play in who you are now as a teacher, actor, theater well, person? I, well, I, I have a theory. I don't think it's a theory, but my feeling is that sports in our modern day world is the theater of 2000 years ago, Greece. I mean, it, it, we tune into sports to see the close finish, to see the dramatic ending, to feel that and get the catharsis, right? I mean, that, that's why we, we, we dig into sports. I, I, I love sports. I mean, we have sports on constantly in my current home. I mean, we've been watching the Olympics nonstop, just rooting, picking a team, rooting for them, getting that feeling of excitement for that team. Uh, and so I feel like that really is what people go to the theater for, but sports are so much more accessible on TV, although now we can talk about everything that's being streamed and, you know, how wonderful that is. But um, so I do feel that the feelings people get from sports are also the feelings people get from theater if they attend. As a practitioner of sports, um, I mean, the adrenaline's the same as, you know, somebody's, I mean, somebody's coming down the field. I was a goalkeeper too, so it was like high chef you know because somebody's coming down the field with the ball and and you have that same feeling of adrenaline you do before you you know when you walk into an audition room in new york and you get to do your 16 32 bars whatever it's that same feeling so i i think they're much more in line and i i hate that idea where it's like well my kid likes art and my kid likes sport but i try and defy that or talk about that whenever i can because it's it's uh, they're actually so much more similar than you might think I think so too, and I, I know you're you're going to share about um, you you kind of teach all students um, in in, mm -hmm. in your role in your program. Um, yeah. And I I loved having athletes in my classes when I was in the classroom, and mm -hmm. I have a I have a kid who who swore he he was the living breathing Troy Bolton. Um, he wanted to <laughs> he he want he's a theater teacher at a, at a private school in mm -hmm. South Carolina, and he also coaches football and he coaches other things throughout the year. How he has time to do all of it, I don't know. But he is walking both worlds and, and living his biggest Troy Bolton fantasy. So um, I, I just yeah. I, I like to hear about that when when athletics and arts do meet and and mm -hmm. we're not as different as we, we might think we are. Very true. So tell me about your program. Tell me tell me about this wonderful, crazy school. It's so exciting. Um, so Freehold Regional High School District is a sixth high school district. There are no middle schools or elementary schools attached to it. So there's six high schools over a large area in central Jersey and in Monmouth County. And I teach at Howell High School, which is one of the six high schools uh, in the district. So when students are in eighth grade, they can audition for, audition, interview for, test into uh, 15 different academic academies and programs. Mm. They can go into our um, pre-law program. They can go into a pre-business program, pre-med program, culinary program, where they run a restaurant out of the high school. Um, so it takes that idea of VOTEC, right? Because mm -hmm. we do have a VOTEC idea. Um, but this is within the high school setting. So it, uh, it doesn't force students to choose in eighth grade if they want to go to a VOTEC institution. Um, 
and perhaps not have all their chances to take AP physics mm-hmm. um, or, or some of the large. And that's a hard decision for a 13, 14 year old to make and a hard decision for parents to make yeah. if they want to try and just leave every door open to their family. So uh, what's great about our school. So our specific program, we call it FPAC, um, Forming Arts Center. Uh, students from all six that would go into all six high schools audition for our program in eighth grade. We have blind auditions. Uh, and then the best 25 that are scored on a five-judge panel are invited to come to our high school, even if they might go to one of the other high schools and districts, transfer into our high school to start their, well, I shouldn't say transfer into, start their freshman year at our high school and uh, be a Howl Rebel and be a, an acting major, a dance major. Uh, we have a video performance major and a music performance major. So um, music creation major. Uh, so if they audition and they get in, then they become a company, a, you know, a company that will spend four years together in a BFA style program that's accessible to high school students. That's the large picture of it all. So it's a magnet program within a public high school. So they'll spend half their day with us and half their day in classes with all other Howell High School students. Uh, What's great about that is that as anybody who's been in a company will know, you know, that it's nice to also have some time away from the company (laughs) to to do all things. So uh, it's, it's the best of both worlds. That's, that's it in a large umbrella. (laughs) Well, and, and and like I said earlier, you you get to see all the kids, not just those live, breathe, eat, sleep, mm-hmm. die theater kids, but you get to see mm-hmm. all of them. And and I think I think that's really really fantastic because I, I I know there are probably a few teachers who are listening who are like, oh, this is a utopia. Oh, she you know <laughs> she and, and they don't they don't believe in programs like this. But I think I think that these programs are important for kids like because not every kid is made to go through traditional high school route not every kid is made to go through votech route you know so i love the option yeah and what's great too about as we tell parents look if your student your child gets to experience our program you'll have a better idea of if you should spend 30 40 dollars <laughs> yes. a year in a college program studying theater um because they will get a real glimpse of what that will be like. And so some of our students come in and say, I've realized as much as I love theater, I'm not really cut out to be an actor. I want to go towards um, management. Mm. I want to go towards theater management. I want to go towards uh, songwriting. And, and so they kind of find their little threads. Stage management, you know, I started a stage management unit couple of years ago five or six years ago and some kids have just you know the you know stage yeah. managers yeah. The, the real you know the, the natural stage managers just grabbed onto that and ran in that direction and, and then have now made careers into that so so but so like you you were saying I mean I teach these students in FPAC so that's two-fifths of my schedule is FPAC um, and then with my other three-fifths of my schedule, uh, this year, I'll be teaching one English class. I love American Lit, so I, I teach one English class. And then I'll teach two drama classes. And we call the differentiation in my high school is that acting classes are in the specialized program. Drama classes are for anyone at Howell High School who wants to explore drama. Uh, it's a one-year, two-semester program. It's not like you can take it every year, kind of like a choir. I know some schools have that situation. So they can take one drama class elective once in their high school career. I wish it was not created that way, but that's what it is. Uh, and so then I'm teaching anyone who's a little interested in, in drama. I'm also teaching students that were put there, uh, perhaps that maybe did not want to get put there. That happens to me, too. I'm sure that happens at some high schools. Uh, so, yeah, so we have students really into it in that class and students that are not as into it. Uh, but I always I always talk to students and say, look, you're going to go and try and get a job at the mall this summer. And they're not going to ask you for a five-paragraph essay. They're going to see how well you speak. They're going to see how well you present yourself, your confidence. And we're going to work on that this year. And we might do it through some silly games. We might do it uh, through a lot of ways. But there's something to be taken from this class. Uh, even if you're not into theater, <laughs> as they might say. Yeah, I I love those classes. I love those yeah. kids, and 
and my 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 favorite part of it was was I I made it my own personal challenge to win them over, and I I dare you to take my class next year, you know yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah. I I I love those, and I think you know as as much as I love the the high flyers and the ones who are going to go on and do this in college, mm-hmm. and I love those others as well, and and they just presented such a great challenge and and fun opportunity for me and for themselves. Yeah. And, and then also to find people in those classes that are finding theater later. I always say I would never have been into, I would never have gotten into the program I teach because I just would never have auditioned. I just would never have known. I didn't discover yeah. theater until high school. And so to see the people discovering theater in high school that weren't, you know, going on auditions in middle school and, you know, doing the whole thing, you know, that that's always fun to see. One of my, well, I know this is a, maybe another question down the road, but one of my favorite moments was, um, I, you know, I taught, I teach crucible who does it, you know, it's you know, crucible's <laughs> great. And I love it. Uh, and I always read it out loud and a girl raised her hand to read out loud in class and my ears just perked. And I looked over at this girl in my English class and I thought, oh, she's got talent. She can do this. And, you know, and then she said, Oh, well, you know, I don't, and now she's made her career in theater, started her own theater company outside, you know, she's, graduated 10 years ago now but she made a you know went on to major in theater and i found her i feel like i I didn't find her she had talent but i found i found her just in my english class just reading the crucible out loud you know and every day i'd be like why don't you play proctor today watch but i kept like throwing her different (laughs) cards and and each time she was rising to the challenge it was just her name is stephanie and she i still keep in touch with her and she uh you know it's just one of those moments that i was uh, yeah so so yes like you said that People are finding themselves in high school, and sometimes they find themselves through a theater class, and it, it's just as exciting to find those students. Um, and then, of course, like you know, for our profession to continue, people have to appreciate theater. So even yes. if they're not practitioners yes. that should be on stage, they need to be theater appreciating people. Yes. <laughs> so you know, just trying to even the students that leave my class and say, "Wow, I didn't realize theater was so hard." Yeah. You know, and. Uh, you know that 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 you had to put so much time and effort into creating something. I had no idea costume designers thought about those things. I had no idea. You know that they just they leave with a certain appreciation for it as well. I I remember I had a a, a young woman. Her name was Charday, and she was in my intro class. And I she let me know she was in. The, well, before she let me know um, her experience, the, the another teacher. Um, in the arts uh, on our hall um, had started the year before and had told her that she could not take her classes going forward because the teacher and Charday butted heads. And so Charday found herself in my class and a little bit of a, a chip on her shoulder and, and looking back rightfully so after her experience, um, I, you know, she would, she would volunteer to read and I was like, mm, there, there's something there. There's something there. And, and it was it was by the end of the class I said I think you need to audition for the musical, and she was like what 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 do you mean what do you mean you need to audition for the musical? She came in. Everyone says she just fell out of the talent tree because I have open callbacks for all the kids. Yeah, yeah. My callbacks can watch and see why I'm making yeah. decisions I made. Yeah. She fell out of the talent tree. Where did she come from? I'm like <laughs> that's right. Yes, she did. And she majored in theater in college. And oh, and yeah. every you know she has all these songs on Instagram that she posts her original music. And I'm just like I just love you. And I love that all it took was one teacher reaching out and saying, "There's something in you." And isn't that it? Isn't yeah. that that you know? It just takes one one teacher to believe in a student to find their potential. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I want to go back and dig a little bit into your professional work and how okay. um, how that plays into your work now with your students, because clearly that's some career in college prep that you've got. You've got the stuff to back it up, right? Well, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I wasn't on Broadway or anything, but I do feel like I can say, hey, in a professional situation, this is what's expected. Yeah. And and I think that that helps. So when I came into the program, one of the things I added was a specific cattle call audition unit. Mm. Um, back, you know, just when people used to stand in lines in New York. I mean, now it's, it's a little different. Uh, but just students needed to know how they could 
that every audition is not like a college audition. There was a lot of college audition, you know, where you get time, you might get two monologues. And I said, no, you've got to be able to go in and, and turn it on and turn it off. And you might get thrown in and you've got to have those songs ready. You've got to have the monologues ready. You have to, you have to be practicing that ahead of time. And so, because I feel, and I say this to my students, if you're an actor, if you're a professional actor, your job is not to be in a play. Your job is to be an auditioner. You mm -hmm. have to get up every morning and get to an audition. That is your job. It's only when sometimes they will pay you to then do a play, which is exciting. Uh, but, you know, I, I, you have your job is to audition. And when you start to get that in your brain, my job is to get up and go to auditions. And, of course, when you're auditioning daily, you lose some of the stress of auditioning, right? I mean, yeah. some auditions are bigger than others, but so I try and talk them through a lot of that, that a lot of them are, you know, they go on two auditions a year, the fall play and the spring musical. And you're, you say, no, you're auditioning every day. It loses some of the, some of the scariness of it all. And it just becomes your job to get up and go to an audition, submit for an audition, work on your work. And, and so so I feel like I kind of brought a bit of that to the table and that conversation. And then, I, of course, I say, hey, look, I'm not going to pay you $1,000 a week to do your job if you're constantly asking me what I should do. You have to remember that in the profession, you're so used to working in theater where adult person who tells you what to do and student, I listen and do what they say. You know, I say in the professional world, things get a lot closer to even collaborators. And, of course, you'll have, you know, some some directors that don't want your input, but more often than not, they're expecting you to go out and do your job, interpreting the script and doing everything you think you should do. And they'll tell you if they don't like it, <laughs> but they're not what you don't wait for them to tell you what to do. Go out, start doing, start moving around the stage, start, you know, uh, interpreting the script and, and they'll, they'll guide you and, you know, tap you along in, in different directions. But really, you know, I go, um, my theory of directing is from William Ball, A Sense of Direction, yeah. the old ACP guy. Um, but you know, the idea is just to kind of trust actors' natural intuition. And I feel like so many high schoolers have been told what to do for so long, and they're being told what to do in all their classes. They're being told what to do at home. And I keep trying to say, no, you take ownership of this. You own this. You come in and, and do this work. Uh, so that I have something to help mold and shape as a director, but, but you have to provide that work first. And so all, so I feel like my background as a professional actor is trying to show them what life is like outside the educational setting. Mm. And how, so few of them have had work outside the educational setting where you come in as an equal, even if you don't have the same amount of experience, to the work. And I say equal, obviously, you know, as we all know, the director is still in charge and, you know, there are lots of people there with more experience, but you're expected to pull your own weight with your part. Is that what you want to hear? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that those are important tenets to bring. Well, what are some of, cause you, in my show prep paperwork, you sent me, you've got some really fun, uh, experiences in your professional work. And I'd love to hear about a couple of those, the, the aquarium and the, the oh, Phillies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So look, when you're, when you're an actor, man, you've got to find ways to make money. And um, I never waited tables. I, it, it wasn't that I was against waiting tables. I just had a lot of these other avenues. And so working at the uh, New Jersey state aquarium is what it was called at the time in Camden, New Jersey, which is right outside Philadelphia. Uh, they sponsored a whole theater troupe. And I worked with people for, four and five years and it was a real company it was great we were creating real children's theater i mean museum theater is its own world of educational yeah. theater and we had a black box theater we were writing pieces we were selling to other aquariums we had an absurdist piece about environmental you know where did all the circles go and and well we have all these squares but now we lost all the circles trying to save the squares i mean it was you know kids were leaving like why are we saving the triangles i mean we it was it was fun we had puppet shows we wrote we constructed the puppets um and it was wonderful i it was it was just a wonderful fun place of theater to work um so yeah i did that i worked in the phillies i was what was called a fan stormer ran around singing happy birthday to people. I, we did improv bits with people walking around. Um, we would do, we would assist the Philly fanatics on the field 
uh, shooting hot dogs. And, and I mean, it was just <laughs> so much fun. And everybody did that. Although to get that job, you had to go through an, uh, an improv audition. So it was all improv actors from Philly. So it was a lot of fun people to play around with. And, uh, you know, you'd walk by people and you'd have a bit and you'd do it and, and you know, play, you know, quiz kids on baseball facts. And I mean, it was just, it was just a different way and an invigorating way to make money. Um, you know, that let you audition during the day. And I would also substitute teach in different districts because that was a good way to make day money if I didn't have an audition. And if I did, I'd just turn down the, the subbing that day. So it was nice, you know, trying to, you know, everything's piecemeal as an actor. You know, this little bit here. I worked on, you know, like the Spirit of Philadelphia, right? Performing. And, you know, you just kind of take those gigs as you can and, and make your money that way. And so that, that's what I did while I was auditioning and, and working in Philly. <laughs> well, and I know you 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 got the current position you you are in now, um, coming out of a long term sub position, and you just share that you mm-hmm. you did some other sub subbing along the mm-hmm. way. Um, if this question doesn't go anywhere, I'll be happy to edit out. But I, I just I'm curious yeah. to know, um, as someone who has been in that position of a, of being a sub for a teacher, um, what is something that you wish teachers knew or would do uh, to help the sub out when they're not there? So. I think that I think that trusting your sub is a big deal. So if I know who my sub is going to be, and I mean I, I can tell you this, I subbed when I was you know my twenties before I got this job. I was a sub, and uh, it was an Emily Dickinson class, and I was oh my gosh, you know, I, 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 and so I taught the poems. And the kids did what the sub, what the teacher wanted to do. And I ran into the teacher the next day. I said, hey, you don't know me, but I talked to you yesterday, taught this class. And he said, don't you ever teach my class again. And I thought, what? Why would... What? I, I'm actually... I Emily Dickinson's my jam. Like, I got this. Like, I love this. And, and it was... There's such... There's some, some teachers are very... You know, don't talk to my class. Don't... Whatever my class. So... Um, yeah, so, so anyway, so coming from that side of something, I was always like, that's not nice, you know. So then I kind of stopped teaching whenever I could, whenever I thought I could help. It discouraged me a little. Uh, so to answer your original question, what can we do to help subs who are coming in for us? You know, I always say, here, this is what the kids are allowed to do. They're working on scenes. They can be in the hallway. They can be in the room. You, you know, uh, do whatever you feel comfortable with. Uh, but but at the same time, I don't put a lot of pressure on a sub to do discipline. I always say, you know, let me know of any discipline issues or, you know, mm-hmm. I just feel like there's sometimes a lot of pressure put on subs. And it's not, But that being said, we do have one or two subs right now that I work with in Freehold that have backgrounds in theater. So when I, when I said today, I know I'm going to be out and I can get one of them, then I usually create something or recreate something together that goes towards their, mm. um, their interests. In, in theater or how they can help. I'm not sure if that helped you or answered your no, question. No, I'm not it, sure. did, it did. I would just take, take a lot of pressure off of subs. That, you know, give them, give them something where the kids... Also, oh, I have a game I call Clue, uh, just because I love mysteries and, and stuff, uh, which um, is actually an improv game, and people have played it. Uh, but, but I teach the kids that early in the year. So that when I'm out uh, without planning, if I if I have a sick day or something, I say just tell the kids they can play Clue. They know how to organize it. They play it themselves, and it's uh, and so that way that also takes some pressure off the sub to have to do something worthwhile. I, I say to do something worthwhile sounds like I don't need work work to do. Just feel like they need to teach something that day that the kids will be lacking if they don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I know you you did uh, 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 that three week workshop at the Globe, and I would love to hear more about that. I uh, when oh. I took my students to London a few years ago, we had like a like a one or two hour workshop with the people at the Globe, and it was was it amazing? The most cool two hours I've ever experienced with Shakespeare. So I want to hear all about this three weeks. Well, and I'm sure they walked you into just the Globe itself, right? And you sat oh, yeah. in the stall, mm-hmm. and just don't you think being in that place makes you understand Shakespeare in a way you just never did before. I know I saw so many pictures of the globe, but when I got there and saw it and then saw it from stage, so much made 
there was just such a I just understood it so much yeah. more. How much of it is direct audience address? And look, I, I just, for your listeners out there that are Shakespeare fanatics, I am not a Shakespeare, Shakespeare fanatic. I would never pretend to say that I know everything about Shakespeare. Um, I don't know who does, but um, so going, but I was very lucky to get this fellowship through the English Speaking Union of America to go to the Globe for three weeks uh, with 20. ELA teachers, drama teachers from across the country. And that program was done to help English teachers teach Shakespeare through performance versus just words on a page. That Shakespeare is meant to be spoken aloud, uh, like, like most plays, as we all know. And so how to get students up out of their chair and how to do that. So all of our focus was through an educational view. It wasn't Hey, let's all be actors. But in learning about Shakespeare and getting up and speaking it, we all were getting up and speaking it. And so, I mean, they have a master of text. We had a class with a master of text. And, you know, I learned a couple of things I didn't know. And I'm sure these are things that your listeners know. But I, I will say two things I really took from this course was just that, you know, we always think of prose and poetry about class differentiation, but just that it really is about lying and telling the truth. You know, that when People are lying. They're, they're really, you know, that, that the truth tellers are speaking in prose a lot. And it's not a, it's not a, you know, a rule, but that instead of thinking about class distinction and characters using prose versus poetry to really look at who's speaking truthfully and who's trying to be eloquent in their lives. And, and so that has, that took me back to looking at things. Um, but then secondarily, I actually turned this into a workshop I give called Shakespeare as director. Hmm. Um, with the use of iambic pentameter, right? So, you know, um, I, I got to do, so my scene on the Globe stage was Lady M. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it. <laughs> I forgot my, I forgot my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is so funny. Scene two, act two, um, uh, oh my gosh, I keep thinking Winter's Tale. Oh my gosh, I can't pause. <laughs> I'm getting my, I'm getting my script. I can't believe this. Uh, uh, oh, oh, I got it. That, oh golly, that was. I'm back. That was has made them drunk. Has made me bold. Um, you know uh, that whole speech with the uh, right after the murders. And so yeah, scene two, actually scene two. So. You know, I got to do that scene as Lady Macbeth, and the line, um, the hark piece line, you know, that how many I am, how many uh, I am's are in that phrase that Shakespeare is choosing to have no other words in that line because he wants a pause. You know, the opening to Hamlet when they're listening for the ghost, looking for the ghost. You know, that, that, that the, and the length of the pause that Shakespeare wants you to take is the missing I am of the line. So uh, as an actor, that, that was interesting to me. And again, I feel like that might be basic to the Shakespeare lovers out there. But to me, it was uh, a bit revolutionary. <laughs> That's yeah. great. And do they, so, still, do they still have the program? They do. It was canceled for COVID this, even this summer, I think, because I went online and they have a new name for it. I think Teacher Lab or T Lab. But what's interesting is if you can get, you know, involved or, or look into this English speaking union in America, that I do know people went and just paid their own way. Um, but most of us that were there had earned a fellowship or a scholarship to attend from the English speaking union. So I, you know, it, it only cost me the plane ticket to get there and a couple of meals. So that was nice. And of course it's three weeks in the summer in July. And, uh, and just to learn from the, uh, the actors who are there, the people who are there that have been there since the beginning, the costume designer who was costuming the Met that fall with her millions of dollar costume budget, talking about original, original uh, costume making skills. I mean, everything at the Globe when it, when it first came out, right, was everything was about doing original um, you know, the original staging, right? Yeah. Um, so and the original staging, they could only use materials got that, that would have been available in the 1600s in England to make all the clothes. I mean, how exciting. Wow. Now they've, they've pushed away from that since, but 
that was the push of the time, you know, Marco Islands and, you know, what, what he was doing over there was to really try and get back to what it really was um, when, when Shakespeare was doing it. Uh, anyway, I got to see a bunch of shows while I was there, everything that was going on that summer. I got to be a groundling right at the stage. A woman ran forward and threw up all, all over me, like this made up throw up was, you know, and I knew it was coming. I was like, yeah, it's a throw up scene. It was great. <laughs> You know, yeah. So, anyway, it was oh, a wonderful cool. experience, yeah. and I, you know, and and from an educator standpoint, we got to see them go. To, we, we we went with the practitioners to the different schools where they would go in as a teaching artist. We got to watch them do those lessons, and then we got to participate in those lessons as students ourselves. So we got to see, we got to participate, we got to go watch them and see them being modeled, and then we could turn the key that back in the U.S. Uh, into our own classes. How cool. Mm-hmm. How cool. So I, I like, I, as an educator, I was really happy to see the introduction, the modeling, and then, uh, you know, what we'd need to go do it on our, our own. I mean, isn't that the whole level of yeah. all, the educational ladder, right? Right, right. That's yeah. very cool. Very cool. Um, well, I'd love to hear if, if you've got another story uh, from your career that you'd love to share. One of those funny moments, horror stories, touching moments, whatever. Okay. Another, another cool moment from, from career. Uh, I, well, I'd have to say in college, I wrote a paper um, on why all my sons should be taught in high school versus death of a salesman. Because even if death of a salesman is the BBL and Arthur Miller play, um, as an educator, as an education major, I just thought all my sons was so much more um, accessible because you're looking at it from the, the kids' perspective so much more, and, and the downfall of parental, you know, parents that we put on a pedestal and, and all that stuff. And then um, I'm performing, and you know, I'm doing cool work, and and then uh, I I was able to get into production of all my sons in Philadelphia, that ended up being you know one of the best plays of the year in Philly and I got to be in it and and so it was very interesting for me to feel like oh all my sons that I've loved for so long gets to be the show that I get my equity card on gets to be the show that's like the first big thing that I felt like I did it just felt like a like all my sons to me is just kind of keeps popping up over and over in my life and I feel like that was that was one of the times it did uh it was really a special special time special moment for me I don't know if that's exciting to your readers at all. Um, I got to go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and perform. I was in a, in a, a musical, a 90-minute musical about group therapy um, that the writers were South African and uh, from Ireland, Irish. And so they, they, we went over. We did a couple productions in Philly and the New York Fringe. And then we all went over to Edinburgh and performed at the Fringe Festival. Oh, my gosh, if you can ever get a chance to get to the Edinburgh, Edinburgh French Festival as as just a spectator. I mean, there's just theater at all times of the day, 20, 24 hours a day. And we were just running from show to show to show. You could see everything. It was unbelievably amazing. And, you, you know, because we were performing, we had festival passes. As long as there were seats, you could kind of get in. And some things you would pay for and some of the bigger things. But, oh, it was so wonderful. Have you ever been over to there or... I have not. I, I, we were accepted. Um, I had a, yeah. a, a group of students. We were accepted to go, and we were in the preparation stages for that when our district shut down oh. travel the next year. So we were like, no. <laughs> we just we never we never reapplied. But I, I would love to do that sometime. Yeah, my my co teacher Steve Stephen he he took a, a group took one of our shows over. Um, and he's done that, I think, two or three times. But going as a performer uh, was great. I mean, it was just uh, it was just a lot of fun. So, yeah. there you go. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> By the time this episode is airing, uh, we will probably be well into uh, the beginning of the school year. Um, mm -hmm. But I'd love to know right now, what, what's something you're looking forward to? We've had a crazy year? past year and a half. But what, what's something you're looking forward to going forward? So this, well, I mean, I have to mention that, you know, this past year, I never had a full class in front of me. There were always some people at home. 
and, and learning from home, which is totally fine. But I'm really looking forward to and hoping that we get, you know, all 25 members of our senior class in the same room yeah. again. Um, it was, it just, I felt bad for students at home that felt disconnected. I did my absolute best. Um, but it, it, I really hope that that happens for my students and whatever health choices they need to make for them. I mean, I'm not judging that at all, uh, but that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, what am I excited about? Uh, well, I'm excited for, uh, I, I would have to say I'm, I'm mostly excited about the fact that I spent a lot of time last year getting all this stuff into Google Classroom. <laughs> And I'm excited to hit a button and not have to do that and just really concentrate on kids this year. Yeah. I, I, I just want to, I want to, I concentrated a lot on paperwork last year and I want to concentrate more, hopefully on students that are right in front of me and just celebrate them more, just celebrate them. Like they, they and I, look, I am not, I don't think every kid deserves a trophy or I'm not saying that, but just saying, wow, that was good work. Really good work. Yeah. You really were prepared today. I just, just small things like that. I, it's so much easier to do that in person to find the thing to celebrate. Yeah. I, I was, know. I was having coffee with a, a, a colleague yesterday, uh, just kind of chatting and prepping for, for the, the, the fall. And he asked me that question and I was like, I think I'm just looking forward to human connection again. Um, like being in the same space with someone and, and looking in their eyes versus the box on the screen right now, you know? Um, yeah. and I, I, I didn't, I don't, I can't say I didn't think I would miss that, but I, I, I missed that. And I, I'm looking forward to that and I'm hoping beyond all hopes that we're able to keep that. Yeah. Yeah. My year. fingers are crossed. Yeah. My fingers are really crossed. Well, over your, your 18 years in the classroom, um, what as you've as you've worked with kids what what are the things that you have noticed um changing from then to now like what are their greatest needs oh. now and how how can we as theater teachers help them well let me i do want to point out a, a, a very large change i'm not sure if it's about their needs but i teach anna devere smith uh, fires in the mirror mm. um and uh, because my seniors take a solo performance unit mm -hmm. um and so I like, I like showing her. I think she's a good example, I mean, of, of solo performance. Um, and I used to, about 10 years ago when I started this unit, I used to have to explain what a riot was because my students really did not understand rioting. And I'd have to kind of explain how that worked. Well, in the last couple of years, I have not had to explain that anymore. Instead, the question that's come up the most has been, you know, in solo performance, are we limited to telling only our own stories? Mm. And it's been a, a really interesting question to bring up. You know, a lot of them were, did not like Fires in the Mirror because they felt that, I kept trying to explain, no, Anna DeVere Smith told these people she would be doing this. They said, no, you know, do they know she's doing this or acting like this? I said, no, they all know. It's okay. <laughs> they said this is okay for her to become their story. Uh, but it definitely rubbed some people the wrong way. It felt like, she was taking ownership of, of uh, lives that were not hers. And I kept explaining, like, this is solo performance. So it's not like she could cast another actor to be who you want this person to be. And she admits, she, she what did she say? She said, I, I never reach the other dock. I'm always leaping to try and reach to the other side uh, and be this other person. I never fully get there, but I, I'm always trying. And so we had a lot of conversations this year. So I would say that that's been the largest change. Mm. I mean, theater's 2,000 years old, right? It's still, it's still making connections and, and, uh, and, and all those things. But that, you know, worldview has definitely changed a lot, and I've seen it in my class. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that answered your question. No, it, it, it did. <laughs> what was your original question? It just, just what, what, uh, what are the things, are the greatest needs in our students right now and how we can address them? But I, I think, I think that did. I think I mean, we, that's something I think all, all of the teachers and higher ed all the way down to yeah. preschool are, are looking at and, and how can we still tell these stories? And well, yeah, I mean, I had to really think about this in my mind. And Smith is an icon of, the solo performance, this type mm -hmm. of solo performance. And so I had to really rethink, re, re, I went right kind of right back into research, trying to feel like, 
so how does this change now? Um, and, and does it change now or doesn't it? And, and, you know, this is all the questions we should be asking ourselves as theater practitioners that, you know, if whether theater is a reflection of the world around us or the world reflects theater, you know, we can, we get those conversations back and forth, but, um, we are living in a world that we didn't live in 18 years ago. And, and, and I do think that's a good thing. And questioning what we have previously said is iconic is a good question to ask. My answer right now to that question is not fully formed because I still feel like I'm learning and trying to, to figure things out. And I'm certainly not a specialist in solo performance in any way, but I feel like solo performance itself might be boring if we can only tell one story and that story is our own so I, you know so that's where I am I still don't know um you know I would love to meet Anna DeVere Smith and have all these wonderful conversations with her but uh, I'm going to continue teaching it and I'm just going to be open to whatever conversations come in my class that's awesome and that's what we that's what we have to do right yeah right yeah I you know I feel well one one other thing about our program you know having um students that are because we have them three periods a day and we have a five period day it's hours and hours of time we really get to do fun things like i have a whole dramaturgy unit that's a whole quarter just research-based theater and 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 then they become you know the 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 lighting designers the tech designers and and they really that that's been something fun that it goes beyond kind of the basic hey let's turn on some lights for this or let's turn on um, and but the thing that my students say is the scariest is the stage management unit, where I make them run a cue to cue of their own creation. But I say you, know, you have to run it with a calm voice. You can always stop and start over, and you have to use you know hold please thank you and all this terminology. And some students get really nervous about it because it's, well they're amazing actors that they just feel so you know. So anyway, what I'm saying is our programs allowed. You know, they do three full years of Meisner technique. And so then they get to choose, do I want to go to a Meisner-based college program? Or is Meisner not working for me? Do I want to find a different, yeah. um, you know, a, a different method out there? And so anyway, just uh, I, it's been fun to be in a program that, that, that stretches them in a lot of different ways. Again, I think, I think that's really great uh, college prep and, and, for all your students, um, for those who you know may just want to go into a BA program and get just a general well, BA in theater, or if they do want to go to a conservatory style, and and I love that they have the option of exploring Meisner so in depth to, and then you get to have those conversations with them. Well, there are other areas. What uh, mm -hmm. there are other techniques. Do you want to explore yeah. those? Yeah, right. Yeah, um, those are the conversations I'm going to go back to here this fall. BA, BFA. Uh, or other career, other, right? Or right. BA, BFA, BA, BFA, Meisner, BFA, non-Meisner. I mean, musical theater, right? Yeah. You know, which way are we going? Um, so yeah. So it, the, anyway, that that's what uh, that's what's coming up for us this fall. All those questions again. Well, I, I hope you get to do those in person because I know. Yes. Sometimes they feel tedious, but we miss them when it'll uh, get to happen. So I, yes. I wish you all the best with that. Thank you. Well, my final two questions are the ones that I ask everyone on the show. Um, the first one is, what is a resource that you are currently using or have used that is an absolute must-have for theater teachers? Um, well, uh, you know, you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. But uh, this 1985 book is my favorite book. Uh, and I know probably a lot of teachers uh, – the Novelli Theater Games for Young Performers. I love it. You know, it's all set up as lesson plans already. And, and yet I feel that I can tweak it to make it more simple. Or we also have um, a theater, we have an autistic program within our high school. And so we have theater classes for the, our autistic students. So we talk about different, you know, reading ability levels and all that stuff. So all the, all the things in this book, um, really can go for all the different ranges of our students but, and I like it set up and yes it's from 1985 I don't even know if there's an update to it because mine is dog-eared and full of highlighting and I love it so much <laughs> so yes an old resource it's still a <laughs> good one though favorite. it is a good one um, and then my yeah. final question for you Amy is what are your parting words of wisdom for that new teacher entering the field or that veteran teacher who just needs an encouraging word right now well, for the new teacher, I would say 
you're going to make some mistakes along the way and how you handle those mistakes is actually your test of what kind of teacher you are. So just, just accept that everybody makes mistakes when they do something new and whatever those mistakes are, handling it in the moment is, is really the, the largest test, not whether or not you make a mistake. Um, for veteran teachers, I'll say what I've been saying all year, which is theater is over 2000 years old. It will exist after this pandemic. In what ways will it exist? They might be different, but it's not going away. Um, there have been other pandemics in history, and they have not killed theater. So, uh, so, so we're not going to all disappear all of a sudden. And so we still need to train our practitioners of tomorrow and our audiences of tomorrow. And that starts in their high school theater classes. Amy Akion Myers, thank you so much for joining me today and, no, and just no problem. chatting about what you love and, and I just appreciate you sharing your experiences and stories. Oh, no, thank you so much. Uh, this was a pleasure to be here. I hope you have a fantastic year. Thank you, you too. Thank you, thank you. And that is a wrap for this episode of Fed Talks. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Tune in next week for the next one. We have so many great teachers coming up and so many that have already been with us. So if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, go on your favorite podcast provider, subscribe to us, rate us, leave us five stars, review us. More importantly, share the podcast with those theater educators in your life who you think could benefit from what we're doing here on the show. Visit our website, www.fedtalks.com for the pages for all the teachers who have been on our show. Email me at fedtalkspodcast.com podcast at gmail.com. If you have an idea for a future guest on the show or suggestions or topics that you'd like to have on the show, email me. I love interacting with you on there and I always follow up. Follow us on all of the social media that's out there. We are out there on Twitter at Theater Ed Talks. On Facebook, we have a Fed Talks page and Instagram Fed Talks podcast. Once again, our website is www.fedtalks.com. Thank you teachers for all that you do. Thank you for listening. Continue to be the lights that you are and changing all those lives. I appreciate you. Take care.